Thanks for joining us for today's message. Here at Temple Baptist, we're a church on a mission, connecting people to Jesus and to one another. Well, we're in this series. We're continuing the series called Life Choices. We are, um, we're diving in, we're exploring, we're trying to discover together what the book of Proverbs has to say to us today. It's an ancient book. And maybe we would be tempted to think that this ancient book is outdated because it was written, you know, nearly 3,000 years ago. But the truth is, it connects and it resonates with us who are living in 2020. If this was a newly released book, it would be on New York's bestseller list. Like, we get this book, the book of Proverbs. It feels as though the author has such an amazing handle on current events current life and and what life is like and he speaks and he writes on issues that we deal with every single day of our lives the book of proverbs it's so practical and we get to apply it to our everyday life last week we said life is a matter of choices and every choice you make makes you Like, you're always making choices. Will I go in this direction with my life? Am I going to go in this direction of my life? And you realize that every choice that you make makes you. Have you ever dismissed something that um, you thought was insignificant only later to find out that it was very significant? Like, at one time you thought, ah, it's no big deal. But then later you find out, wow, this is a big deal. You know, maybe something as simple as, you know, maybe at wintertime, there's, there's a storm coming and it's snowing outside and you think, I got to get a, a little bit of extra supplies. So you're going to run to the grocery store and you say, it's no big deal. I know how to drive a car. I got snow tires. My windshield wipers work. I'll, be, I'll have no problem. You head out and halfway to the store, you realize, man, this is blinding. The snow is blinding. And, and all of a sudden, you're having a hard time to see, and then you realize, man, the snow is deeper than I actually originally thought. I thought maybe the main roads would be plowed by now. And halfway to the store, you get stuck. And what you thought was going to be an insignificant trip all, all of a sudden becomes very significant. Because now, you remember, you, lo- you left your cell phone at home, and you got to walk home because your car's stuck. What you thought was not such a big deal turned out to be a big deal. This morning, I, I want to talk to you about the power of words. Do, do you realize that words actually can bring life or they can breathe, breathe death? And I know it almost seems like an overstatement. Oh, come on. Seriously, Donald, like life, I mean, words can really breathe life or death? Well, let's see what Proverbs says. Proverbs says the tongue has the power of life and death. Proverbs 18, 21. Has the power of life and and death. That's a lot of power. And if that verse is true, if that statement is true, then the stakes are high. If words can actually breathe life or death. You know, the fact is, uh, this mouth of mine, there's been really good days and some not so good days. There have been those days, you know, where you're really proud of some of the things you said, and then there's other days you're a little uh, uh, embarrassed, maybe even ashamed of what's coming out of your mouth. I know that this thing right here has got me into more trouble than I want to admit. 
And it's amazing what this thing could be used for. I mean, my tongue can be used to spread kindness and compassion and, and uh, gentleness and love and encouragement and grace and mercy, but it can also spew out some hatred and hurt and pain and gossip and complaints and spitefulness and vindictiveness. It can be cruel at times. So this statement, the tongue has the power of life and death, is pretty profound. The tongue has the power of life and death. I was, um, I love, most of you know, if you're part of our church, you know I love history. And so I was just reading some of the speeches of Winston Churchill. I, I've always been fascinated by him. And, um, of course, I was looking at one of his speeches, and I, and I always knew that he spent time, you know, picking the perfect words that would inspire and, and breathe life into people. And, and so I was rereading the speech on June 4th, 1940. You know, of course, World War II has already been going on now for, for over a year. And, um, and Great Britain has, has suffered some great losses And so he stands up in front of Parliament on June 4th, 1940, to inspire a nation. And you probably know this speech, right? You probably heard it. We shall shall fight on the seas and the oceans. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall fight in the hills. We will never surrender. And of course, Parliament applauds. That's right. That's That's who we are. We'll carry on this struggle, and and in God's good time, he says, we will see liberty. Kind of inspired a nation of people. A year later, actually, he went and spoke at his alma mater, so it's 1941, so now they're deep into the war. And he had a short speech, but boy, they were inspiring. October 29th, 1941, he says to his alma mater, all these students that have gathered to hear the prime minister speak, he says, never give in, never give in, never, never, never get in. He says, these are not dark days. He says, these are the great days. Which when I was reading, I thought, really? And he goes on to say, the greatest day of our country has ever lived. We must thank God that we have been allowed to play a part in making these days memorable in the history of our race. He breathed life into those students. You are part of history making. And I, I, even, I, even though I wasn't there, that's like 80 years ago, I was inspired by those words. Of course, for a lot of us uh, that live on this side of the ocean, this is an event that a lot of us have read about or heard about or seen a movie about the march on uh, D.C. when Dr. Martin Luther King on August 28th 1963, stood in front of a court of a million people and spoke these words, I have a dream. He said, I have a dream that the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will one day sit down together at a table of brotherhood. He went on to say, I have a dream that my four children one day live in a nation that will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. He went on to say, I have a dream that little black boys and little black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and little white girls as sisters and brothers. He says, I have a dream that there will be one day when all of God's children will be able to sing a new song. Where black men and and white men and Jews and Gentiles and 
uh, Protestants and Catholics will be able to join hands and sing that old uh, Negro spiritual, free at last, free at, God, at last, thank God Almighty, I'm free at last. Those words inspired a nation. He breathed life in that day to about a quarter of a million people. Now, I realize we probably will never have the opportunity to breathe life into an entire nation. But we do have the opportunity to breathe life into people. You have the opportunity to breathe life into your spouse or your child or to uh, a parent. Last night, actually, I, uh, I was shocked. I was surprised. A friend of mine that I hadn't really talked to in uh, a lot of years, actually, he sent me an email last night. and He said, you know, 12 years ago, I said, 12 years ago, he said, when I hit rock bottom, he said, I was going through a very nasty divorce. And things were being said that I knew weren't true. And he said, I was at the lowest of the low. And he said, someone came to my house, put their arm around me and just said, hey, I believe in you. I'm your friend. You can count on me. I'll walk the journey with you. And he said, that person to this day has no idea the profound impact that breathed in. I was ready to give up. And someone came along and breathed life into me. Last night, I put on Facebook, I put a question out, and, uh, and a number of people, I was actually surprised how many people answered this question that I put on Facebook. Not only did they answer it publicly on Facebook, but then I had a lot of people that privately messaged me. The question that I asked, has there ever been words that have been spoken to you or over you that has negatively impacted your life that you still wrestle with? These were the answers that came in just from last night. Some of these words, by the way, were spoken over people who are young kids, teenagers, and it has profoundly impacted them. Words like this. These are people's, per- I didn't make these up. These are people's stories from last night. You'll never amount to anything. You're the reason, you know, your father left us. Your anxiety is only in your head. It's not even real. You're the biggest mistake I ever made. No one will ever want to marry you. Are you surprised that no one likes you? You'll never be anything but a dropout. I pity the man that gets you as a wife. Why can't you be more like your sister? You're a great mother and a good friend, but boy, you're a terrible wife. Why are you not beautiful like your mother and sister? You look like a cow. I hate raising a girl. Your brothers were so much easier. You're just a woman and you're not worth spending money on. You have a library card? (laughs) I didn't even know you could read. Why did you screw up the life that I gave you? I don't love you anymore. A friend of mine privately emailed, messaged me last night about midnight, and he says, I heard these words from my father when I was 12 years old. He said, I was struggling with depression, and my dad said to me, if you're going to kill yourself, stop talking about it and do it. Boy, those kinds of words leave scars. That's why when Proverbs says the tongue has the power 
to breathe death into you? That's what he's talking about. But we also know it can breathe life into people. There's a, uh, a TV show. I don't know if anybody's ever seen this. It's called Bad Ink. And uh, it's, it's a show about people who come in and they've got some really bad tattoos. You know, tattoos that they had maybe done when they were, um, I don't know, maybe they were at Las Vegas during spring break and they made some rash decision. They put a tattoo on and they're like, <laughs> and so this show is all about trying to fix those mistakes. I have a friend of mine uh, back in Nova Scotia. Um, when he was dating a girl, he, of course, he went ahead and had her, his girlfriend's name tattooed on his chest with a big red heart around it, right? It seemed like a good decision at the time, but when he got married to someone else, <laughs> she did not like the fact that he had his girl, ex-girlfriend's name on his chest. And so, of course, he had to go in and try to cover it up, try to, you know, I made a mistake, I, I, I need to cover this up. Here's some of the bad tattoos that the show has had to cover up. Somebody had this on their forearm. It's supposed to say no regrets, but it says no regrets. <laughs> like, oh my goodness. That's, I got to fix that, right? Here was another one. I think the guy meant to say no pain, no gain. It says no pen, no gain. <laughs> and so the whole idea is trying to fix those mistakes. Sometimes you make mistakes that can be corrected. But then there are sometimes those words that just, they never can be taken back. And it's not, you long, it's not like you can just go along and just, oh, we'll make it a little fancier looking and we'll forget all about it. That's, uh, that's not how it works. The tongue has the power of life and death. And you and me, we get the opportunity to do this. Breathe life or breathe death. In the book of James, it actually talks about our tongue and it compares it to different things. The book of James actually says, get a load of this, you can't tame your tongue. That's not good news. It says you can't tame your tongue. You can tame a lot of things in life. You can tame wild creatures, but you can't tame this. In fact, it uses a couple of illustrations. It says, you can crane, you know, here, here's a, a killer whale, weighs six tons. James says, yeah, you can train that thing, be your friend. But you can't tame your tongue. He uses other illustrations. You, you know, you can tame an elephant. I mean, this is five tons. How am I supposed to get that under control? Well, you know what you find out? You can actually cause him to sit down and listen to you. The king of the jungle. How in the world are you supposed to tame something like that? And yet what we discover, people do. But James says you can't tame this. It's uncontrollable. You can tame wild birds to eat out of your hand. But then James says, but you can't tame this. It's an unruly evil. This horse is a Clydesdale. I was reading about it this week, and 
They weigh about 2,000 pounds. You know what a horse is like. I mean, they get a little wild. You could be in a dangerous situation. It's amazing because the, the, James compares our tongue like, like to a horse because we can control a horse with just this little bit that goes in, a, in the horse's mouth. I mean, the horse weighs 2,000 pounds. You're telling me that little thing that goes in his mouth is going to control his, his, the direction of that horse? Yes. And James says our tongue is the same way. You get control of your tongue, you can, you can get control of your whole life. It's little, just a little thing. You get control of this, he says. You control your whole life. This is the largest ship in the world, just built last year. It's the MSC Gulson. Weighs about 250,000 tons. And I, and I found out that you can actually put 24,000 containers on the ship. Imagine. And you know what controls it? A little rudder on the bottom steers where that's going to go. And James said, you get control of the tongue, it can steer your whole life. Then James goes on to say, but you know, the tongue is also, it's poisonous. This, um, this is the Philippine cobra. Most cobras you don't die from when they bite you, but this one is considered one of the top ten most deadly snakes in the world. What makes this um, so terrifying is that, you know, usually a snake has to bite you before they can let their venom out. This actually can spit venom nine feet away. And it's, we're told that once you have that in your system, you have about 30 minutes to live. You know what James says? That's what sometimes our tongue's like. And then he compares to a, a roaring fire. It starts so small. You know, oftentimes you'll hear about someone just having a little campfire and all of a sudden becomes a, a raging forest fire. That's the power of the tongue. It can breathe life and it can breathe death. In Romans chapter 1, th this is almost hard to believe, but um, Paul's talking about the things that God finds offensive. You know, he has a list of sins. And he lists murderers, sexual immorality, and gossip. That's in the same list? That's how serious I think God takes um, our tongue. And then Jesus says this in Matthew. These are Jesus' words. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. It boils down to this. What you say can breathe life or death. And you get to choose. And you get to choose. You will either eat the consequences of, or you will eat the consequences of what you say. I mean, how many of us have seen friendships, marriages, partnerships, churches just blow up because of words that were said? But then on the flip side, how many of us have seen marriages healed, partnerships restored, churches united because words were spoken that brought life? It's one of life's choices that you get to make. Choose life, speak life. 
or breathe death. When we say words that are affirming, kind, gentle, it's like we are speaking a blessing into someone's life. You gotta think about this. You know why, why people are so attracted to Jesus? Because his words were just so full of grace all the time. Grace upon grace, encouraging, gentle, and kind. And here's the truth. God loves us so much. Like, he loves us so much that he actually wrote down some words that breathe life into us. Words of blessing. Truths that can help you through the day. Words that can encourage you. Words uh, that uh, can affirm you. Words that can give you strength for the journey that's ahead. Sometimes we're in, in difficult journeys, but... The words that he speaks can actually give us strength to endure. Words that can grow your life. And he wrote them down and he signed them. And they're found in here. Words like this. Come to me, all ye who are heavy and weary. I'll give you some rest. Hey, he says, you don't have to live in fear because, because I'll never leave you. You don't have to be lonely because I'm right beside you beside you. He says, I'm full of grace, and he says, my mercies are new every morning for you. He goes on to say, hey, if you fall, if you stumble, I'm, I'm there to pick you up. He says, I can mount you up with wings like eagles. I can be your hiding place. I can be your tower of refuge for those long, dark days. Life's full of choices. The choices that you make will make you. That's this week. Let's take a challenge. And the people that we see and interact with, let's breathe life into them. Not death. Thanks for listening, and consider joining us live on Sundays at 9.15 and 11 a.m. For our address, directions, and any other information, find us online at templebaptist.com.